How you doing? Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. It's time for Children's Church. Um, so if you're a little one, feel free to go. Um, thank you for coming out. I really do um, appreciate you being here. We had a good time, a good time last week, going through part one of uh, our mini-series, Within Meant to Be. And it's called You Can Be Temptation. And this is part two. A lot of people... Um, really helped by some of the things that we talked about last week. So I hope that's true of this week too. I think it is going to be. Um, we just want to um, just press in together uh, and learn a little bit more. And I want to start by letting you know that nobody, nobody is immune from temptation. Nobody. In fact, uh, there were three pastors who went on a retreat, an overnight retreat in a cabin in the woods. And after dinner, they're, they're sitting around the fireplace and, and they're reflecting and they're playing, praying and they decide they're going to confess to one another um, their greatest temptations. And, and the first pastor said, my greatest temptation, I'm embarrassed to say, is, is gambling. Is gam- I really, I can't control it sometimes. In fact, recently, instead of staying in town during the week and and preparing my sermon, I got in the car and I drove to Vegas and I sat at the poker table for two days straight and I lost $15,000 of the church's money. Yeah. And the second one was, yeah, I understand, but mine's worse. I just can't control drinking. Like sometimes I just go on this binge. And recently I went out to one of the local bars and I drank so much that I blacked out. And I don't know how I got home. But when I did, I had this new tattoo of Spongebob on my chest. I don't know how that happened. And the third pastor, he says, he was kind of quiet the whole time. And he says, well, guys, I'm sorry to say that I really need to get out of here. You see, my greatest temptation is I really like to gossip. And I got to go somewhere where I got cell service because I got I to make a few phone calls. So... If you have your phone, please boot that up, quiet it down. If you have the version live event on it. If you have your Bibles, please open them to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Uh, if you need a Bible, please uh, look under one of the seats in front of you. We're on page 975. By the way, if you have that free version Bible app, we have a poll for you later. We have a question for you. Um, everything that we put up on the screens is on your phone. And... If you need the notes or any of those things or the scriptures, uh, we leave it up all week through about noon on Saturday. So if you're thinking about something, you need to be reminded, just boot that up wherever you are um, and you can have it. Good. First, before we dive in, I want everybody to take a deep breath then let it go. Relax. Relax. Why? Because this is not about condemnation. This is not about criticism. This is about you and I moving forward from here on out. It is not to beat you up about what you did last night or last week or last year. This is about hope. This is about God helping us through temptation so that our tomorrow can be better. And there's grace for today. And there's grace for your yesterdays. So I just want you to be encouraged and be able to press in without clenched fists and and get the tools to get there. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, boy, am I glad you're here. You are so welcome here to check things out, see what makes us tick, press into God, check him out. Look, these things that we're talking about with temptation are so practical. You don't have to be a church person to be tempted. You know that. And these things are practical. You could start to apply them regardless of what you believe because good advice, wisdom, right, is just wise no matter where it comes from. So I'm glad you're here. Um, let's start with things that I think we can all agree on. Regardless of what your background is, regardless of what you believe, I think you'll agree that this is true. There are things that none of us want to have to say. Number one, if I had to do it over again, I would do things so differently. Number two, if I, that I never wanted to become that person. I just never did. Number three, if I knew how this would end, 
I never would have said yes. These are things that no one really wants to say. And we don't want you to ever have to say them. So this is what it's all about. Okay, so let's start by hearing from you. We have a poll. If you're on your phone and you have the version app, um, we have a poll for you. And here's the poll question. Oh, no, it's, uh, that's, it's the one before this. Uh, yeah, the poll question. The poll question is this. Really, honestly, truly, don't lie. On a scale of one to five, how satisfied are you with your life right now? Really? Oh, there's life satisfaction. Good. I'm sorry. I was out of line. I'm not satisfied with the way I talk to the tech staff. Let's, let's have a hand for the table. Okay. How satisfied? That's enough. It'll go to their heads. Um, no, I do love them. How satisfied with you, are you with your life right now? Scale of one to five. One being the lowest. Okay. One is I hate my life. I'd rather sit on the couch and eat broken Bud Light with lime bottles while watching Nickelodeon's Full House Marathon rather than go on like I'm going. That's one. Okay, the other end of the spectrum is five. Five. Oh, my life is so good. It could not get any better. If it did get any better, I'd have to be conjoined twins just to be able to enjoy it. Hashtag too blessed to be stressed. Emoji smile face. Okay, that's five. You might be somewhere in the middle. But honestly, where would you put yourself? One is low, five is high. If you're not playing along, just do it in your head. What would you give yourself for a a life satisfaction rating? Let's see what we got. What we got is 7% of us rather eat bottles than go on like this. I'm sorry. 9% um, more down than up. Three, blah, boring, but not always bad. 58%. Good. Pretty great, but could be even better. And 12%. Pinch me. I must be dreaming. Okay. Great. Thank you for sharing. Now, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? Well, that number that you gave, if honest, is not only a reflection of your satisfaction, it may also show how vulnerable you are to temptation. Why? Why? Because if you're a one or a two or a three, you might be particularly tempted by something that promises to take you to a four or a five. Do you see that? And if you're a four or a five, I would ask if that's real. Um, If it is, why would you struggle with temptation? Because temptation is this. Bring that quote up if you would. John Ortberg wisely said, we become vulnerable to temptation when we're dissatisfied with our lives. The deeper our dissatisfaction, the deeper our vulnerability because we were made for satisfaction. Do you see how those two could go together? And we're made for satisfaction. And, and, and dissatisfaction makes us vulnerable. Let's see how that plays out in Jesus' second temptation. We're in Luke 4. We're picking it up in verse 5. Here we go. And the devil took him, took Jesus up, up, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and all their glory For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Now, let's just hit pause there. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't do. What Jesus didn't do is get in Satan's face and say, Liar, that's not true. What you just said about having the earth, having all this authority, that's not true. Why did he not say that? Because it is true. It is true. Now, you say, what's that about? I've even heard the the hymn of, this is my father's world, right? Is that not true? Well, that is true. But presently, right now, does Satan have all authority? Authority, not all authority, over the earth. Yes. How did that happen? Well, our first parents um, gave it to him gave it to him by inviting 
sin and rebellion and thinking God was holding out on them. And before you get all hateful toward them, um, we continue, every one of us, to vote him into office personally by saying, hey, I don't even know if there's a God, but if there is, um, I'm going to give him a break. I'm going to be my own. That's giving him the right. Okay? So is that going to change? Yes. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, does he have authority over you? Yes. Should you not be really comfortable here because you're kind of living in um, enemy territory? Yes. Is victory assured? Yes. Is that why we want to rescue everybody? Yes. Okay. Just going back. Promises to give him all of this. If you will worship me, it'll be yours. And Jesus answered him. It is written, which means it's in scripture. He's quoting the Old Testament. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Now, this sounds like a really weird temptation. You're saying, what practically is this when Satan offers Jesus all the world, all the kingdoms, if he'll just bow down and worship him? That sounds like a really weird temptation. In fact, it's not. And we know this because Jesus asks us, what are you going to do when you get the same temptation? I'm like, what am I going to do? He says this later in Luke chapter 9. He says, Jesus asks, for what does it profit a man or a woman if he or she gains the, the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or herself? If you were offered the same thing, what would you do? What would you do? That's what he's asking. Satan says to Jesus, you can have it. You can have it all. You can have it all right now. And that's the catch, isn't it? Right now. But there was a price tag. There was a hook under the bait. And I want you to see this. This is a strategy of temptation. Temptation always shows you the merchandise and likes to hide the price tag. It will always show you the bait, but never the hook. And it will always cost more than you imagine. It will always cost more than you imagine. I'm older than most of you. So I've been tempted and giving it and fighting and victory longer. It will always cost you more than you imagine because it loves to show us the glitzy side and hide the pain. Every temptation has a price. Take a look at this. There is always free cheese in a mousetrap. You can always get it. Next. We tend to fall in love with the bait. And it makes us not even see the hook. Okay, bring that down because that creeps me out a little bit. Yeah, no, that's interspecies love. It's just wrong. I could, go ahead, take that down. Jesus sees through this and he says no. Because Jesus in his wisdom can see past the merchandise to the price. He can see past the bait to the hook. And Jesus says no. There are three... Um, Three price tags, three hooks that I want, I want us to take a look at. They connect to our lives. Now, two we'll look at right now and one at the end. The first hook, the first price tag, Jesus, why Jesus said no, is Jesus would lose, if he, if he took this deal, he would lose his love relationship with his father. See, Jesus is so deeply in, in this love bond. With, with God the Father. In fact, he would describe it this way. In, he says, I and the Father are one. We are inseparable. That's how much we love each other. And so Jesus knows that if he worships Satan, if he gives in, no matter what the benefit, the cost is too great, he would lose his, betray his love relationship with his father. And he's just not willing to do that. Why? Why? Because he's so satisfied. He's so highly, you're, you're a five, he's a 50. He is so satisfied in this love relationship with the father that nothing he's offered, no matter how good it seems, 
can make him dissatisfied enough to say yes. In fact, that kind of satisfaction is what helped Jesus say no last week to turning the bread into stone. It's what helps him this week. He is so deeply satisfied with that love relationship that nothing, nothing that threatens us is ever going to fly. And here is the practical app. You, no matter who you are, no matter what baggage you brought in here, no matter what your past looks like, you can have, to beat temptation, you can have that same love relationship with Jesus that Jesus had with the Father. Because look at me. Try to wrap your mind around this. Jesus loves you right now, right now. Exactly as much as the Father loves Jesus. I'm not making it up. Take a look. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so in the same way, in the same fashion, in the, with the same passion, I have loved... What's that word? You. You. Abide. Live in my love. That is your happy That is your satisfied place. That is your victorious place. Live in my love. Jesus loves you as much as God the Father loves him. Can you get it? No, no. no. Look, I'm, I'm a smart guy. Some of you believe that. Some of you kind of do, kind of don't. Some of you don't at all. Look, I get it. But just go with me on this. What if? What if that's true? What if that's true? That, That the God of the universe loves you personally as much as God loved God the Son. What if that's true? What if you could press into that love? What if you could become one with that love? Um, Everything would change. Everything would change. The way we worry, the way we work, the way we play, the way we um, friend, the way we love, the way we marry, the way we... I mean, everything. And the way we respond to temptation. You would have a love relationship as you press into this, as you grow in this, as we, as we walk with Him, as we grow deeper into Him, as we abide in that love that would crush temptation. Why? Because you know deeply that which truly satisfies. And you see beyond the shell of that which doesn't. Which doesn't. Number two. Jesus would be settling for instant gratification. Getting right now in a wrong way. What he will gain eventually in a good way. Are you tracking with that? He's going to, he, the deal is, I'm going to give you everything right now. But you're going to have to worship me. He's going, hey, I'm getting at everything anyway. In my time, and there's no strings attached, all kingdoms, all authority, all glory. Here's how that breaks down. We, we have referred to it a little bit before. But right before Jesus returns, comes back to set everything straight. And, and this is going to happen in the future, I believe, much nearer than, than many believe. And heaven is just so stoked It can't contain its enthusiasm. So like this spontaneous party breaks out, which is always happening because heaven is is a continual celebration, if you did not know. And the angels are like just like going berserk, um, like people in the other hotel rooms. They're knocking on the wall. There's trumpets. And here's what they're shouting. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. All right? That's the hallelujah chorus. And he shall reign forever and ever. They wrote it. And they're singing it. And it's going to happen. That is why he came in Bethlehem. That is why he walked as our example. That is why he died on the cross as our substitute. That is why he rose as our resurrection and new life. That is why he rescues all, regardless of what their sin is, all who come to him, all. And that is why he will return. And that is our great hope. And that's going to happen. But what Satan was saying was, instant gratification, you can have it now. I just serve it up. All you got to do 
is worship me. All you got to do is neglect the most important thing. And you can have the immediate thing. Instant gratification. Like, instant gratification doesn't lead to the best of, say a word, anything. Look, you and I know this about stuff. We know this about food. Look, I am not an authority on many things, but on food, <laughs> I could speak with some authority. Let me tell you that real, no, I, not, not like quantity, really good food. Like the kind my wife cooked, like New Orleans, really, really good food, I don't care what kind you like, is not instant gratifying, right? It is not, I'm not talking about like instant mac and cheese. I'm not talking about um, with the top ramen. I'm not talking about Mickey D's. Look, really good food does not get handed to you through your car window, right? It is not pre-prepared. It is not on the frozen food aisle, unless, of course, it's Ben and Jerry's, right? And then, and then it just so happens. It is not just add water. By and large, really good food isn't just cooked in the microwave, right? It's not. You've got to wait for it. Look, if I'm losing you, frozen pizza, you can have it right now. But if you want the stash, you've got to wait for it. Am I right? And it is worth the wait. Notorious FIG with my name on it. I'll wait all day for that. Yeah, cold. Yeah, it's all right. That preaches. You know this about coffee. Any coffee snobs here? I mean, you just love your good coffee. Good coffee. Now, if you're just looking for a jolt and you don't care, but good coffee is not instant coffee, is it? No. That, that, that could be palatable. Mm. But it's not. But the things that you and I know about food and drink are true of most things. Most things. The best things are not instant gratification. You've got to wait. You get to choose. You can choose inferior things that don't deliver on the promise. Or you can wait and be patient and faithful for the good stuff. Now, if we're just talking about food and pizza and ice cream and all that stuff and, and what we drink in our mug in the morning, excuse me, it's not a really big deal. But it is a huge deal if you're talking about your life, if you're talking about your future, if you're talking about your eternity, it's a huge deal. Instant gratification doesn't lead to the best of anything, anything. Look, Satan is happy to lead. Look, some of you aren't into um, the personhood of Satan. You may not believe that. Temptation is happy to lead you to whatever you want right now. As long as you forget about or neglect what's most important. And that, my friends, is broken. And we've known this. Since we were little kids. Take a look at this clip. Here we go again. All right. I'm performing baboons and give it to me. Now, I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolates. Give it to me now. I want today. I want tomorrow. I want to wear them like braids in my hair. And I don't want to share them. That, um, that will show you a couple of things. One, that lip syncing didn't start with Millie Vanilli, but, but, but quite a bit before. Some of you young people, you look a little bit confused. Um, that was a clip from before Johnny Depp was born. There was a thing called Willy Wonka, the real Willy Wonka. That was what that was from. Give it to me now. And we can look at that and we say, that's stupid. That's obnoxious. She needs to go through that, wah, wah, right? And she will. We left the... Um, but we don't learn that in our own lives so easy, do we? No. What does that look like? 
Satan, temptation is happy to give you whatever it is that you want right now, as long as you neglect those things that are most important. What does that look like for you and for me? It might look like this. Number one, putting short-term pleasure before long-term joy. Putting short-term pleasure before long-term joy. It means I can, I can go out drinking or, or drugging or partying as long as I neglect what it's doing to me and what I'm becoming. I can go out and, and, and be intimate with, with people I'm not married to and, and, and play around or just with one or as long as I ignore what that's doing to my heart and my spirit and our relationship and how I see men and women. Um, putting short-term pleasure before long-term joy. Um, I'm going to tell you something about how to apply that this coming weekend. Okay, um, dial in with me. You're going to be um, tempted to say, you're an old guy, you're a church guy, you have to say this. No. No, I love you. And I can't not say this. You could do whatever you want. There's a movie coming out this weekend called Fifty Shades of Grey. Some of you have already read the book. No, no, don't laugh. I'm serious. I'm not afraid of this movie. Do I think the truth of God can stand up to this movie all day long? Do I think your heart and mine can? That's my concern. That's my concern. Um, Don't see it. The temptation is, yeah, I'll I'll go go check it out. Short-term pleasure. Even if it's the best two hours of your life, don't do it. Because you can't see the hook and you can't see the price tag. We come here, we press into God's word so that good seeds that grow up into good things throughout our lives are planted in our minds and our hearts and they grow. Look, this, I say this not because sex is bad, but because it's so good and precious and special and wonderful and God created you and wants you to have the healthiest, most beautiful, off-the-wall sex life possible in the way that he designed it. This takes something precious and makes it cheap and common and recreational and that will plant seeds in your heart that will... The reason you shouldn't see it is because you can't unsee it. Okay? You always have the option to go. But after you see it, you can't unsee it. If somebody made a movie about your mom, whom I'm assuming you adore, and portrays her as a whore, you're going to give them money to go see that? No. God has given you a gorgeous, beautiful, good gift of sexuality. Don't pay somebody else to see it trashed. Whether you want to or not, it will cause you to see people as an assembly of desirable body parts that dehumanizes you. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're straight, whether you're gay, it doesn't matter. People are made in the image of God. Okay. Some of you probably, well, no, I wasn't thinking about going to see. I don't go to see now. But as your, as your pastor, I just have to say, look, we're going to love you whether you see it or not. But I don't want you to hurt yourself. I really don't. So there's that. It could look like number two. You put brothers. That's easy. We know how we do that, right? But that's, that's getting for you what you want, right? And, and leaving other people out. Number three. You put the outsides before the insides. That's what this tends to make us do. That's why I spend so much time on it. What else might that look like? Hey, we're, I'm only going to hang with, I'm only going to date like people who look like I look or look as good as I think I look or I want to hang out, right? But you do that. You do that. And you might miss out on the best, deepest, most loving, encouraging, funny, beautiful friends in the world. 
you might miss out on the man or woman of your dreams. That lady back there, she is stunningly beautiful. I'm her husband. No, no, no. And I, look, I know what I am. But if she didn't shop for what's underneath and just the outside, I'm toast. I'm going to spend the rest of my life showing her that she's as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. There's going to be a day when every person, every person in God's presence is stunning. This is a temporary disguise. Okay? Don't cut off people because they don't look right. Number four. Oh, this is a big one. Put money, wealth, stuff before people in God. You're like, I'm in school. Like, what am I going to do? Put money, wealth, stuff. I don't have any money, wealth, stuff. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But here's the thing. If this is too important to you, you can miss your calling. And you have one, don't you know? In fact, God loves you so much that he has wired you with special abilities. A friend, uh, a Christian friend of mine said, he has given you the ability to do something better than 10,000 other people for his glory, not to lord it over them. You find out what that is and you do that. That should be your passion. That is your calling, right? So you can serve other people and enjoy him and just rock it and have him rock. That's what you're supposed to do. But... Once you find out what that is, it may not pay well. And you might also be able to take a path that... And if that's important to you, you're gonna. You're gonna. I don't want you to miss your calling. Don't attach a price tag to it. Don't make this too important. Now, um, I I, I just want to say, because I see this so often, there's another way that this comes out. And, and I'm not, I'm just going to talk to the, to the guys, women, if it applies to you, take it. But I'm a guy and I see this in my friends. If you're not married yet, this still applies to you. If you're just married uh, look, and, and you're scraping by, this still applies to you because you will face this. And it's the temptation to neglect your spouse, neglect your children in order to scrape together a higher, better, richer standard of living. What, what I'm talking about is not, um, not meeting their needs, not being a provider. I'm talking about being a family. I'm talking about being a husband. If you're, if you're logging all these hours for a greater standard and more stuff and a bigger and a nicer and a newer and, a, and your spouse is withering because you're not there. And your kids are struggling because what they most need is your arms and your heart and your... Look, um, I do a lot of weddings, particularly during the summer. And um, one recently that I did, um, this couple, and the, the father of the bride, a godly man, a good man, a wealthy man. Um, nothing wrong with that, but, but hear me. He stands in front of a lavish reception as the father of the bride sometimes does. And he takes the mic to, to do his toast, his speech. And he is bawling. This captain of industry is weeping. Not just because his daughter is beautiful and she is. Not just because it's a momentous day and it is. Not just because he's so happy. He tells us it's because he worked and worked and worked and missed her growing up. And he can't buy it back. No matter what he has. And that is the heartbreak that Jesus wants to come in and just shine the light and say, hey, I don't want that for you. And does he have grace for this man? Absolutely he does. Is he changing? Yes, he is. But I just don't want that regret. I didn't want to be that person. Right? I mean, I am, uh, I'm going to be 50 this summer. Yeah, that's pretty scary. I remember how I used to think about people who are 50. It's not true. 
That kid, because you're in your head. I'm, I'm like, I'm still 12, right? In it right here. Yeah. Some of the things I can do. Um, but all my friends, uh, or a lot of my friends from college and high school are my age. And um, they have kids who are our kids' age, which is, you know, getting into their 20s. And I have a friends who have made this mistake and they see it now. But you see, they have gotten into this lifestyle, into this career, into this position. There's too much at stake, they say. There's too much to lose to change direction. Now what would I do? And I have other ones who still don't see it. They don't see it. And maybe they will at the wedding. Maybe they, but it's all that they've known. That's what happens when we put money, wealth, stuff before people, before God. God, Jesus said this would be the hardest one. He said this would be the hardest one. Um, let's go. Put pleasing yourself before pleasing God. That, that's just kind of the, what, what, what Jesus is saying is you can have such a, a passionate, satisfied love relationship with me that it gives you, it gives you more of a rush. It gives you more of a high. It gives you more joy to bring a smile to my face and fame to my name. And, and, and just do something to celebrate. It gives you more real joy to do that than it does to get what you want because that's what you want. Look, when you can get in that zone, that's beauty, that's truth, that's freedom from temptation. But you see all these other choices of putting things before what's really important. Don't think of it as a light switch that you turn on and off. It's not like a one decision thing, right? Right? It's a dimmer switch that you either make brighter or dimmer, just a little by little. And you can't perceive it, but it's the thing that we go to over and over again. And then after a while, you just find yourself sometimes, and you're in a different world. You're like, how did I get to this place? And that happens to a lot of people when they go off to school. And, and so if you're a Western student, if, or if this happened to you around this time of life, where you say, how did this thing happen? How did I become this? How did I, I'm doing things I never thought I would. I'm becoming something I never wanted to be. It's the same thing. If God is shining a light to say that's true, it's not to condemn you. It's to say, come on, come on. We'll take you back. We'll, ta- we'll start fresh right now. That's the gospel. Come to me. I got take care of the past. I can take care of the future. I just wanted you to let me take care of you. That's that's it. Okay. So we're moving on. Um, We're going to do one thing and then um, I'm going to, we're going to say, how do we win? How do we win in this type of temptation? Then you can go home. Um, The next thing we're going to do, I need a, a live event, fill in the blank. Okay. I want you to play along at home. If you don't have this, here's the question. Here's the question. If you could go back, um, the question is this, right there. I'm, I want you to think of the temptation that causes you the most trouble in your life, right? I'm drawn to this temptation because I, I think it will give me blank. When, when I'm really drawn to this, it's because I think it will give me or provide for me blank. But when it's over, all I'm left with is blank. So, so the way I'd like you to format your answer is just that first blank and a comma or slash, and then the second word, okay? I, I, I'm drawn to this because I think it's going to give me this, but at the end, this is what I'm left with. And that, that first one, you might think it's going to give you escape or comfort or love or beauty, approval, inclusion, success, joy, release, excitement, whatever that is, but what does it deliver? And I just say, if you could just share that, it's completely anonymous, and get it in your head, what, if you're not typing it out, what draws you to the thing that you're drawn to that you wish you weren't? What does it promise you? Let's take a look at what we have. Promises me escape, I get shame. Instant gratification for emptiness. Contentment for wanting more. Exactly the opposite. Happiness, emptiness. A good feeling is promised. Sickness is what I get. It promises peace, I get fit. 
Promises peace, I get tired. Promises comfort, enjoyment, I get chubby. God bless you, you're, you, you, I, I get you. Promises fulfillment, um, it provides regret. Promises peace, failure, pleasure, pain, comfort, disappointment, alcohol, heartache, a feeling of wholeness, complete emptiness, fulfillment, emptiness, strength, illness. This is not just a testimony of scripture. This is just not the testimony of a guy who you may think is paid to love God. This is the testimony of you, of everyone, of people who follow Jesus and people who may not. This thing leads us to a double life because we look for these things in one place And then we come back to God and say, if you're real, if you love me, then why is my life not working? It's a double life. Look, if you've been in and out of this message, I get it. I'm strange. You know, it's long. It's it's late. But just please dial in for just one moment. Because what if you forget everything and you get this, you're golden. That thing that you wrestle with, that you're tempted to, that you're drawn to over and over and over. That thing that it promises to give you is almost 99% sure a good thing. That's why you desire it. But it wants to give it to you in a way that is destructive and does not satisfy and does not deliver on the promise. That's the first part. Stay with me. Here's the second part. Everything that 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 temptation promises, the bait, the the promise, exactly this is what Jesus wants to give to you, wants to be for you, wants to do with you, wants to provide for you. That if you would only shift from seeking this promise in this thing that just leaves you hurt, to shift that and find it in me, he says. I am the only one. Who satisfies. And if you and I can make that shift, everything will change. It's not that what is promised most times is wrong. It's that we're not seeking it in the way and from the source of the one who says, only I am enough. And history And your life and this room is testimony that when you try to find it in somewhere other than me, you fall apart and hurt each other. That's the truth. So how do we win with what we're calling? We call cravings our last week temptation. This week, it's more priorities. How do we win against priority temptation? Number one, see the hook and not the bait. Say, Jesus, you were so good at this. Would you do that for me? Would you help me to look at temptation and and see the hook underneath the bait? To see the price tag underneath the murder? Because once you do, it becomes really, really easy. It becomes much easier. But I'm not this good at it. But Lord, if you would give me the ability to do that, Here's the thing. You get better and better and better. Your heart is like a muscle. You know, your spirit. The more you exercise it, the more you can do. It's going to get easier. Ask him to show you the hook and not the bait. Number two, commit what's most important. Look, if you're not a church person, you're not a God person. I get that. You just sit down in your heart and say, what's most important to me? And protect that and live in a way that protects that. And anything that diverts your eyes from that, don't Do it because that's important to you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guard your heart, guard that relationship with him so fiercely. Nobody is going to get in between you. Nothing. Because that's your lifeline. 
That's your joy line. That's your hope line. Trust me on this. Commit. No double life. He wants one life. One satisfied, beautiful life that is forgiven and free and hopeful and joyful and satisfied in him. Number three, be fully satisfied in Jesus. Be fully satisfied. Say, well, that's easy to say. Yeah, it's hard to do. Not because he's not easy to be satisfied, but there's just a lot of layers we've got to peel off. So here's what I'm saying. If this is what you want, even if you're honest enough to say, it's what I want to want. I want to be fully satisfied in you, but I know I'm not there. Then I just want to share with you a prayer. Um, it's actually the lyrics of a song. If you could bring that up. Um, this is a song called Jesus is Better. Um, and it was written by Aaron Ivey. And if you want to remember this, um, you don't have to write it down. Just go on the live event. It'll be up there until next Saturday. And here's something you could pray. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Because part of me does it, part of me does it. You know, in all my victories, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. When I win, I don't want to forget you. In all any comfort, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. More than all riches, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe more than temptation. Jesus is better. Lord, make my heart believe and he will. And when you find you're enough in Jesus, you don't slog through life the same way. Your heart soars no matter what your circumstance, no matter what the threat, no matter what the temptation. I've seen the real deal. Accept no substitutes. But if we could just take the next step, that's it. I'm, I promise to give you the last um, hook, the last reason Jesus said no to that whole thing. I, I want to show it to you. It's really important. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, can you say those last three words in the second line for me? For the joy. Say it again. For the joy. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do, do, you, do you track with this? There was a joy that was set in front of Jesus that was so beautiful that he wanted so much. That he said, the cross, absolutely, I'll do that. This is the third hook price tag. This is why he said no to all the kingdoms of the world. Bring that up, number three. Because if he took that, he would not go to the cross, which means that Jesus would lose you. You. You were the joy before him. You are the joy set before him. And he said, if it means that I can't love and rescue and hold you now and forever, you can offer me all the kingdoms of the world. You are not worth it. Oh, you are worth it. It's not worth trading for you. When you see how much you're loved. And you see his claim that he wants to satisfy. So the temptation loses its grip. When you hear him say, you are my joy that made that worth it. Don't you want to make him your joy? Because if you do, then you find that enough life and that will change your relationships. It will change the way you think, the way you feel, the way you go through life, the way you forgive, the way you love, the way you work, the way you... It changes everything. You find that one life that's satisfied, that's joyful, that's home. And that's what it's about. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. And Lord, I know that there are friends here who feel like they're on the outside looking in, hearing about your great love and not, not 
feeling like they have ever experienced it, feeling like they don't know you. And so if, if that's you, I just invite you to come before God in your heart. You don't have to pray this aloud. Just, just make this your heart cry. Lord, I, I believe. I want to believe. But I believe that you did come for me, that you wanted to rescue me, that you went to the cross in my place for my sins as my substitute because you loved me that much. Although that's hard for me to grasp, will you help me grasp that? Will you not just be in front of me? Would you come in to my heart and my life? Would you rescue me? Would you love me in a way that satisfies? Would you forgive me? In Jesus' name. Amen. And still praying. There are others here who, you know, you know you're his. You know you're his, but you also know that sometimes the bait looks really good. And so, Lord, right now, I'm just asking that you would help, uh, help us see the hook. Help us see the price tag. Lord, help us to be so satisfied in you that the lure of the lie isn't there. Lord, that, that we would not live a double life, but one in you. Lord, thank you that you don't only want to forgive us for all the temptations we've fallen for. You want to do that, but you also want to strengthen us in you for all the ones that are lying ahead. It's going to be okay in you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, um, we sing after uh, we pray some in relief that he's finally done, some <clears throat> in praise uh, for what God has done, some um, in confession, some in pleading. Just do that any way God is speaking to you. Maybe you just want to sit and just do business with what he's laid on your heart. That's okay. Um, If you need some help talking through or praying through something, I hang out right on those back steps um, during this song. Just come. I'll talk to you. I'll pray with you. I love you.